we're talking about MotoGP, MotoGP fantasy, motorcycles, and just the general love of riding. This is Wheel to Wheel. Yeah, it is. Time sick. I know. You sound like you're gurgling gravel right now. Well, I'm not doing that, but I've, I've, I am sick, and it's the worst. Yeah. I know. I'm just glad that I don't have to sit next to you. I get to sit six feet apart. You're Well, we're in a different setup today, but typically you're further away from me, yeah, which I is, prefer. I'm interested to see what everybody else thinks about how this sounds, how it compares. Um, they probably won't notice. Yeah, they might not. We'll see, though. We need to talk about Morton's BMW. We do. Go ahead. They're fantastic. I mean, all right, just right there you go. <laughs> just end it right there. Morton's BMW is sponsoring our Fantasy League this year with a $50 gift card, and we are super, super excited about that. The winner will get a $50 gift certificate to the... Certificate? Yes. <clears throat> to Morton's BMW in Fredericksburg, Virginia. If you are not from Fredericksburg, you can... If I'm not mistaken, redeem that online through their store there as well. But the best thing that you can do is go in the store because it's awesome. Yeah, just be prepared to, to buy walk, a motorcycle. Yeah, walk in with a $50 certificate and walk out with a BMW R9T, XR1000, GS1200. They have it all. That's true. That really or sounded the like M1000. Do they still have an M1000 there right now? I have no idea. I know those things come in and they go. That's true. They're already spoken for before they hit the floor. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's almost at the point where people go to Morton's because they know it's a BMW dealership, and they just are like, hey, get me an M1000. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's basically ordered by the customer through Morton's. So, yep. I don't know. If you see an M1000 in there, and you have the money, and you want to get it, and it's for sale, do not wait. True. All right, let's talk about Assen post-race stuff. So, interesting weekend. A lot of things happened this weekend. A lot of things happened. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of good things. If you if you are a fan of MotoGP, might not have been your week. Unless you are in the dock pond and you are just absolutely on Ducati's every beck and call. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the sprint. <clears throat> the sprint results. Marco Bedzecki comes in first place, which was really great for him. Uh, he looked really unstoppable, actually. It was good for me. It was also good for me because he's on my team as well. Yep. Uh, which we're going to get to fantasy here in a little bit. Ty did not do great this week. Actually, I didn't do as bad as I've done. Before. No, you were actually really close to the same score as me, but you didn't move up any. Which neither did I. That's true. That's true. Your but dad, think, however. Okay. He went up to like 15th place? Yeah, we got him later in the shout-out. We'll give him a proper shout-out when we get to fantasy. Yeah. So. I will say I, did, I made some good changes at some good times. Yeah. Which, for the first time in this season, I actually made the right call on something. <laughs> Just patting myself on the back here for a second. It's a, the first time you've gotten to do that this season, so. All right, let me have my moment. <laughs> hey, you know what? I was in first place after the sprint race in qualifying in the first race of the season. Amazing. Since then, it's been downhill. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so first place was Marco Bedzecki. Second place, Pecco Bagnai. Third place, Fabio Quattararo. We're going to get to why. But third place, Fabio Quattararo. Fourth place, Alicia Spargaro. Fifth place, Brad Bender. Sixth place, Jorge Martin. Seventh place, Maverick Vinales. Eighth place, Inea Bastianini. And ninth place, Alex Marquez. So I just did the nine because those are the only ones that get points. This was a dramatic week. I feel like Brad Bender and Elias were like, at each other's throats all weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, po- the main race didn't help that either. Yeah, well, you actually did really good in your sprint predictions this week. I didn't do so hot in that. I got Pecco on the podium, so I, I said that he was going to win. Uh, I said Jorge would get second and Brad would get third, which I tend to want to say that I was right about that. But unfortunately, there was an incident that happened. So there were several incidents this weekend. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was noticeable how much drama there was this week. Yeah. And b- between several people, I mean, and we also, this is, this was like the lowest that Marquez has ever finished. I mean, it was just the sprint, but this was not a good, not a good weekend for him. You yeah. know, he, he didn't race at all this week, did he? Um, was he in the sprint? I think. 
Or did he back out of the whole thing? Jeez, Ty, we're really good at this, man. Um, Alex Marquez did relatively okay, I guess. Not really, but he did okay. I mean, he got one point, which is more than Alec, or Mark Marquez can say. And now he was in. He was 17th. He was terrible. Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. But he went into this race saying that he wasn't even going to try, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't want to be there, which we're going to get into Mark in a little bit. But, again, back to our picks. You know, I said Pecco would win. Jorge second. Brad Bender third. Um, I want to say that I got Brad Bender right because of what happened. Uh, but I was close with Pecco. He got second. You actually said Pecco would win as well. Jorge second. And you said Marco third. So you actually did accomplish getting two of the three podiums. They're not in the right place, but you did get them right on the podium. That's so, true. I mean, uh, congratulations, Ty. <laughs> You've actually done pretty good with your sprint predictions. Yeah. Uh, the main race, though, the important one is the one I just can't. Here's the thing <laughs> it is so hard to pick someone that's going to actually finish the dang race. I mean, yeah. it just seems like, I mean, everybody's, I mean, Pecco Bagnaya is currently the championship leader, and he's crashed out of two races. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen this many people consistently crashing. Everybody on the grid is limping. Yeah, well, I, hot take. I think that that's absolutely because of the aerodynamics, dirty air, and tire pressure issues that's causing so many crashes. Oh, yeah. And the uh, inability to overtake safely. Yeah. And not to mention, because of the arrow, the bikes are going faster than they probably should be able to. I know that sounds weird, but there has to be a point where we say it's too fast because it can't be controlled. And I think we're creeping up on that. You know, I, I have the same theory as football. You know, people say that if they didn't have helmets like rugby, there'd be less brain trauma because you you couldn't play the sport scene. So what if we just took away the helmets since leathers... You just send people out in T-shirts and flip-flops. Oh, my gosh. That would change the way they ride just a little bit. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the sprint. Fabio had a great start, which hasn't happened in a while. This was a really good weekend overall for Fabio. Um, we'll talk about his Sunday stuff in a little bit. but um, <laughs> This wasn't a great whole weekend for Fabio. I actually still think that for him, it was still a great total weekend. Because what happened, yes, he just washed out the front on Sunday, but and he did get injured. But I walking... He got, I he got hit by Zarco. He hit Zarco. Uh, it wasn't like because he did anything wrong. He just lost the front, you know. But I think that... Even though he got injured and stuff, he's he's leaving this weekend going, I can actually do something on the bike, mm. you know? And he said that he felt like they found something. Do I think that it's groundbreaking? No. Do I think that it's a step in the right direction? Yes. Honestly, all these Japanese manufacturers need to just take the slow progress to, like, I mean, they really need to just dial in one thing at a time. Right. And I think that's what happened this week, and I think they figured one thing out, and it improved the ride for Fabio. Borbidelli still sucked. Um, I mean, he got ninth place in the main race. Yeah. True. A lot of people crashed. <laughs> Which, we're, we'll get to that in a minute, because I have an opinion about I know that we've said, like, hey, if you finish the race, like, you know, we're not putting asterisks next to you. But when, like, half the field crashes, it's a little different. That's true. You know, if, like, just a couple people crash in front of you and because of that you got a better spot, like, I'm not saying, well, the only reason you did that was because they crashed. No. But when the half the field crashes and that causes you to get a top ten, like, everybody that finished the race on Sunday got points. Well, you also have to remember, <laughs> it's not just half the people are crashing. It's also, like, half the people are just not riding. <laughs> also that. So. Hence, Repsol Honda. Yeah. LCR Honda. Mm-hmm. Honda. So back to the sprint. Um, there may be some interesting opinions on whether or not this podium should be looked at as something good for Fabio because really the only reason Fabio got the podium was because of Brad Bender's mistake. So That was two times. Which happened to him twice this weekend, but he lost the podium twice this weekend <laughs> because he exceeded track limits. Both times, and it takes three times for you to get a penalty for exceeding track limits. So, the thing is, is that 
going into this, Fabio was in fourth and Brad Bender was in third, but then in that last chicane, he exceeded the track limits by like an inch, and that caused him to have to lose three seconds, which didn't just drop him one spot. It dropped him two spots. Yeah. So that was pretty like terrible. Yeah, I, f- I don't know how I feel about that because I do think it's important to have those rules because you don't want people just, you know, riding in the grass. I think three seconds was too much, though. Yeah. Because he I'm- didn't have an opportunity to do the long lap penalty, and it didn't happen on the last lap. It happened as he was going into the last lap. So he didn't have enough time, an opportunity to get the alert and do the long lap penalty. So they just took the three seconds. If it had happened on the last lap like it did on Sunday, they would have just dropped him one spot because right. that's the rule. But I don't know. It Three seconds just seemed a little extreme. Yeah, they definitely. I mean, it, it hurts his score in the championship. Well, because I don't think that it would have taken him three seconds to do the long lap penalty. And it's hard for me to believe that he's the only one that had that happen. Well, he definitely wasn't on Sunday because they you saw Jorge Martin right behind him doing like was totally in on the green. Oh yeah. He just didn't have a track limits warning already, which it takes 3. Like you've got to violate that 3 times to get the penalty. And Brad Bender did that 3 times both days. <laughs> <laughs> He's driving that thing a little bit like a NASCAR. Yeah, so there is a level of yes, and he admitted that yes, I did exceed the track limits. I did the th- the wrong thing, but I did a really appreciate Fabio's point of view. Was he excited to be on the podium? Yes. But he was like it's really a bummer what happened to Brad and how I got on the podium. Yeah, which honestly, I mean, uh, this is another dig at Peko. He would never have done that. No. Well, and Aleish didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Although um, Aleish, I think, I feel like he, I mean, it's, he didn't, like, not deserve it. I think he earned it. Yeah, oh, yeah, he absolutely earned it. So. And so did Fabio. Like, they earned their spot, but, like, I mean, Aleish, I just appreciated Fabio because Alessio was doing this race with broken, the broken wing. Okay, so, we got to quit talking about yeah. Sunday. We're not there yet. Saturday. Or, yeah. Saturday, um, Saturday, Saturday. But, yeah, so Fabio, I just appreciated his willingness to say like oh yeah i deserve this spot totally you know he acknowledged the fact that it was a bummer for brad what happened to him so peko as normal was a rocket off the line and he's on a rocket yeah and he did a really good job this whole sprint but marco bedzeki was like on another planet i mean he was to get that kind of a lead in a sprint (laughs) <laughs> that was pretty impressive, was and awesome. I wish that it had translated a little better on Sunday because he just didn't quite have the same stuff. But Bedzeki and Bender were fighting it, uh, fighting early in this, and it was super fun to watch. I mean, they were, like, going at it because Bedzeki wanted to get in the front before Pecco could get too far away so that he could do exactly what he did, and that's what happened. He got in the front, and he was clearly better than everybody else on that track. Oh, yeah. By multiple seconds. <laughs> you know, I mean, he won by, what was it? It was like 1.3 seconds or something like that, but he at one point was like almost three seconds ahead. Oh, yeah. So he just sl- started slowing down at the end, <laughs> you know, which caused Pecco to catch up a little bit. But all in all, Bezeki ran a great race. Aleish did an incredible job working his way up. Um, and had kind of a rough start, but he worked his way up to fourth place. Uh, well, fifth place, but then he got fourth place because of the Brad Bender incident. Uh, it was just good to watch him. Maverick, I expected a little bit more out of him. I did too. But he didn't look bad. Overall, this was a really good day for uh, Aprilia. Good whole weekend for Aprilia. Yeah. Um, it was a good day, though, because I think that it gave them a lot of confidence, especially Aleish going into the race on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, the whole the whole thing was overshadowed. Even Bedzeki's win, honestly, I thought was overshadowed by Brad Pinter, you know, losing the podium. You know, and how crummy must that have felt, like getting the podium in the race and then finding out as you're, like, trying to head to Park Ferme. Oh, yeah. oh by the way, yeah, you don't get it. The main race reaction with Alasis Barago, too, was, that was so funny. Yes. You just see him throw his arms to the side, and he starts celebrating when he realizes that he's going to Park Fairmay. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's got to be absolutely gutting to like go through this race. Your adrenaline's pumping, and then you you get there and you think you're going to be going to Park Fairway, and you know how like just devastating it is to just know that you're not going to Park Fairway. You're just going back to your pit. Yeah, um, which I want to point out something that I just think is funny. What's that? When because we're about to jump into the main race, so. When Aleish went to do his interview in Park Fairway, he looked like an alien. Like, 100%. He was all, like, swollen his face, I guess, from his helmet and stuff. <laughs> and he absolutely just looks like an alien. <laughs> and then you've got Bedzeki doing his interview, and that dude is a potato. Bedzeki? Yes. He looks like a potato. He has zero personality. At all. You don't think Marco Bezzecchi has personality? Absolutely not. Because the whole time he stands there staring like a potato into the camera, says what he's going to say. Yeah, we were really good today. Like, it was really fun. Like, I, I overtook and did this. And then at the very end, he does what Rossi does and, like, smiles real big and, like, waves into the camera like he's like he has a personality. And then he, like, immediately goes back to being a potato and walks away. <laughs> you are going to see it next time you watch it. I... See, I still, I feel like he still has more personality than those writers like Jorge Lorenzo, Maverick Vinales. They're yeah, but they're dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, no, I think that Maverick Vinales has more like personality range than than Marco at this point. Whoa! At least in that's a hot take. At least in the interviews, I don't know about outside of, but I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like Maverick has that now because he's got a child, so he has to have some kind of. You know, that child is just, he's got to be so bored. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. That's terrible. (laughs) All right, I take it back. I take it back. (laughs) So, all right, let's talk about the actual race instead of our opinions about the potato people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, the main race, uh, top 10, first place, Peko Bagnai, which is? On a Ducati. Second place, Marco Bedzecki. On a. Stinking Ducati. <laughs> Third place, Aleish Espargaro. Aprilia. Fourth. Astrich. <laughs> Fourth place, Brad Bender. KTM. Yep. Fifth place, Jorge Martin. On another freaking Ducati. Sixth place, Alex Marquez. <sighs> Ducati. Seventh place, Luca Marini. Ducati. And then eighth place, Takanakagami. Okay, this is honestly. I'm so proud of this kid. <laughs> he went from the torpedo to now. I mean, he's in eighth place. I mean, what a champ. So Takanakagami has actually also came out and said, I'm not racing. I'm surviving. I'm not going to push it. I'm just going to ride the bike. So if he's going to finish in the top 10, it's because half the field crashed. Still. But he didn't. That's a big <laughs> on a bike that everyone has crashed on. So you're telling me there's a lot of people on the track that are not crashing. Or that, I mean, that are crashing. And Takanakagami is on a team where everybody has crashed and been hurt. And Takanakagami saw that and was like, I'm going to do everything I can just to not crash. Well, I'm just, I'm just, let's just look at the statistics of last year to this year. Multiple people have crashed. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people crashed. He's missing his three other teammates who have crashed. And Takanakagami. Takanakagami. <laughs> Takanakagami. Oh my gosh, did you just have a stroke? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> because he's the only one that didn't crash on Honda, and he was in eighth place because he didn't crash. I mean, someone, that, that's got to be a trophy in itself. Yeah. I mean, the day that uh, Juan Mir finishes a race on a, on a Honda, I'll be the same way. I mean, Juan Mir, if he finishes, if... If he finishes a race on a Repsol Honda, he needs a trophy. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. Ninth place, Franco Morbidelli, as we've stated already. And then in tenth place, Augusto Fernandez, who listen, Augusto Fernandez is the only person, the only rider that has finished in the points every single race this year. And he's <laughs> a rookie. That will probably not have a seat on his team next year. Well, not because of his performance, but because of some other things that we're going to talk about. But that's your top 10 for the race. Here is who didn't finish. I felt like it was appropriate to talk about this because so many, so many Fabio Di Antonio. 
He's not actually a Ducati, so that made me kind of happy. Right, because honestly, the Ducati is really hard to crash. Um, one of the things with Mark crashing so much is some of the people from Ducati were saying that wouldn't happen on our bike because the traction control would catch that. The electronics would save it in all these different ways. So there's a lot of what you can do more of on the Ducati without crashing because the electronics and all the stuff in the bike prevents it from crashing, which is what Peko dumbly complained about. Oh, yeah, my bike's too stable. You know what I mean? So it is actually pretty surprising whenever you see Ducati's crash because that kind of tells you that it puts a smile on there has face. been error that has happened yeah. in order for that to happen. So Fabio, DJ, and Antonio crashed. Um, <laughs> Iker uh, Lukuona or Iker, however you say his name. Iker Lukuona. Yeah, great. Um, he was so angry at this. He, like, punched his motorcycle <laughs> um, because he was so angry at this Honda because it's, it's a rolling turd. All right, I just want to take a moment. Because everybody who's going on social media telling Mark Marquez to hang up the leathers because he sucks now and he can't ride the bike and he's a dangerous to everybody. Look, you have three riders that are a Honda rider and they're all out. And you have the test rider on a Repsol Honda. The test rider is throwing a tantrum. Yep. The test rider. If yep. the test rider is throwing a tantrum, there is something wrong with your motorcycle. Yep. So also on the did not finish list, Miguel Oliveira, Anaya Bastianini, Maverick Vinales. That was heartbreaking. Um, nice. Joanne Zarco, Fabio Quadraro, and Jack Miller. You know what makes me really happy about this list? There are three Ducatis that didn't finish. Oh my gosh! Unfortunately, one of those is my you know one of my favorite, which is Johan Zarco. Yeah, and that wasn't his fault at all. No, but still, I digress. Three Ducatis didn't finish. That's the first time I think. Yeah, it makes me smile. So, all right, well, let's talk about our main race picks and see how we did. I said that Jorge Martin would win. Did not win. Um, I said Bedzeki would get second. Really close. He got first. Yep. Um, no, Bedzeki did get second. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, I nailed that one, and I gave myself a yellow because for whatever reason. I was thinking of the sprint when I said first. Yep. So, Bedzeki got second. I got that right. I said Peko in third, and Peko won, and that's lame. Uh, Luca Marini, I said, would get fourth, and he got seventh. And Brad Bender, I said, fifth, which, you know, <laughs> close, but not quite. Um, so, hey, technically, he finished third. Yeah, I know. He just he got fourth. Yep. So, how did you do, Ty? Well, um, I don't always give myself the fourth and fifth ones because I don't feel like I I, I need the extra help uh, <laughs> in getting in getting points. Up I just know that anything that we say that we predict will be in the top five or literally people that could win. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I put Marco Bezecchi winning the main race. Um, I actually got totally backwards because I really thought he was going to do better in the main race, and he did better in the sprint by mm -hmm. far. I, um, I agree. I thought... I honestly thought that it would have been the other way, yeah. even though I didn't say that he was even going to be in the top five in the sprint because, for whatever reason, I had a brain block and forgot that he existed, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Um, but, yeah, you did actually pretty good. You got two of the three podium. Yeah, I put Jorge Martin in second. I mean, Jorge Martin is one that, you know, I know we're not talking about fantasy yet, but I actually put him on my team this weekend. I got rid of Mark Marquez, <laughs> did some, you know, moving around. Um, I have Raul Fernandez on my team because that was the only way I could afford uh, to have mm -hmm. Roy Martin. But I actually think, you know, that kind of saved my weekend. That was the only financially thing I could do to kind of. Yeah, that's a good move. I've had Jorge on my team since the first week, and he has just been wonderful all season for me. Uh, yeah, I took him off after he crashed with Alex Marquez. Yeah. Um, but then for third place, I put I put Peko, and, you know, he won this race, unfortunately. Yeah. So, all right, so let's start by talking about Fabio in this race. So, Fabio had a really bad start, which is weird. He just got swallowed up. He had such a good start in the sprint, and then whatever happened in this one caused him to get swallowed up really early, and ultimately, I think that's what led to his crash with Zarco. Again, I think Fabio is pushing it because he got swallowed up in the crowd, and then he's in that dirty air, He's got front tire pressure probably is going up, and he's taking that turn, and it, the front end washes out. You know, and 
I don't really know how to feel about that because it's frustrating. And it ultimately it ended in Fabio having pretty serious injuries and, and had to have a surgery. I can't remember what exactly the surgery was. But he ended up having to have a surgery, and Zarco, his whole race was ruined because of that. Um, because the front end of Fabio's bike, and he, it wasn't like he was riding crazy or anything like that. He was just taking a turn, and the front just, whoop, gone. Yeah. I will say, I mean, to, to some respect to Zarco, I mean, I don't know if this is exactly true, but I know when the, cra- the crash happened, the reason why I originally thought it was Zarco that did it is because he ran over to Fabio's bike to make sure he was okay, which... You don't see that from a lot of the riders on the grid. Yeah, they're both French, though. That, that's fair. <laughs> but, I mean... All right, that's, that's no, fair. they're both nice guys. Um, but, yeah, it was cool to see him run over there and check. If it was Pecco, he probably would have walked over there and slapped his helmet or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what's frustrating, though, is that, you know, Fabio finally has a good weekend, right? Yeah. Except for this crash. But, like, he was good in qualifying, he was good in the sprint race, he showed all of this promise, and then something that really, you know, was kind of an anomaly for Fabio. Fabio doesn't crash on his own. That just doesn't happen, usually. Yeah. And so, it was weird that he crashed, and then everybody's just like, yeah, see, he's not very good. (laughs) Like, everybody's just kind of dogging on him. I'm like, he just got a podium the day before. Yeah. On a terrible motorcycle. And his counterpart the day before wasn't even he wasn't even in the same stratosphere as <laughs> where he was not even the same planet, um, so I don't know I just am tired of them giving Fabio such a hard time yeah and that's just annoying I do hate that he got injured I hope that his injuries get healed up over the summer break uh, and he comes back I think we're coming back at Silverstone is that first race back I believe so I hope that he comes back healthy and ready to go and maybe. You know, Yamaha will have something. And ready for some rain, because, I mean, honestly, Silverstone... Always. (laughs) All the British riders are going to be very in favor of that. Yeah, well, and if it's raining, Brad Bender will... Or, yeah, Brad Bender or Jack Miller will probably win, so... KTM broskies. Yeah, so Jorge also had a terrible start in this one, which, you know, left him in the beginning of the race in 13th to start out with. So you got to give the guy some credit he was brilliant catching up over the course of the race I mean this was a race of significant attrition and Jorge just battled his way up to fifth place and actually got himself into contention for the podium that everybody that's in the top five was absolutely in contention for that podium and they were fighting for that in the last couple of laps so hats off to Jorge for his Jack Miller's crash was a huge bummer uh, one, because I have him on my team, but two, it was just a bummer because he had the pace and he could have done really well here. But here's what was funny is Jack Miller's a hothead, and so he gets off, he stands up, and a chunk of his arrow had broken off and was in the gravel, and he runs over and just kicks the snot out of it and it just <laughs> goes flying across the gravel. I'm like, what if he had kicked that and it would have flown on the track and they would have had to, like, call, like, a, a red flag or something, well, you know? He's, he's let a lot of stuff fly as far as his words go lately. Oh, man. I mean, he's, like, ripping into everybody complaining about their bike. I'm, I, here's a hot take is... I'm not saying I like Jack Miller less because I still think he's a stand-up dude. He's my favorite Australian. But, I mean, I know a lot of that got blown out of proportion, and he came out and said he didn't necessarily mean it that way. Yeah, they they definitely clipped that to make it sound worse than it was. But still, it's like a little bit like, you know, I get what he's saying. You know, you just got to go saddle up, get on your bike, it's your job, you're getting paid to do this. But at the same time, it's a little easy to say. When you're not breaking your body every time you get on that bike? I mean, like half of the grid are on bikes that are just throwing people into the gravel. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I think that's one of the thing advantages that Ducati... I mean, it is. We just talked about it. That is a huge advantage that Ducati has is just you can't crash the thing. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, well, and this also puts in... Uh, unfortunately, Jack Miller's never allowed to complain about his motorcycle ever now. Like, if he comes out and says anything about, like, yeah, the bike just wasn't... Like, people are going to rail him now. Oh, yeah. You know? I don't think he will. He hasn't historically. Yeah. But, I mean, like... I'm just saying now he can't. He's been on the a, option is no longer there. He's been on a really <laughs> good bike for a long time. Now I do think that Jack, what Jack Miller has, and I will say, Mark Marquez is one of the greatest riders of all time. But his, I think one of the weaknesses that Mark Marquez has had is I don't think he develops motorcycles. No, like Jack Miller does. Jack Miller is really good at developing a motorcycle. Mark Marquez is just like I need more top speed. And you're like, okay, 
They might make it unwritable, but he just made it work for such a long time. So I feel like he really is having to readjust how he... Well, and the bikes are just so different now. Yeah. So So you just can't get away with what he did before. So Maverick was looking really good. And, I mean, he had incredible pace. And then he just unfortunately crashed and it wasn't anything crazy just just crashed you know and it was a bummer because they were we're watching this race and 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 it's just like maverick is just passing people he's setting fastest laps and you're like wow maverick is gonna work his way up to a podium at this rate easily and then he just the next lap around he's in the gravel and you're like well that was short-lived because it was such a good weekend for Aprilia. It seemed like they really found something. Things were coming together. Aleish was doing great despite the fact that he broke his front wing. And that thing was like flapping around, like hitting his tire at times. That had to be so difficult to ride. Absolutely. We're talking about how big of an impact that the arrow has. They had to make it really in, like hard to be confident in the corner. I also wonder like how it would have looked different if his wing hadn't been broken. You know, would it right. less of a competition? Would it still? I have, we just have no idea. It's all speculation. But um, yeah, the dude was a hero for finishing that race where he did with the wing broken like that. That was incredible. Yeah, gotta give the alien some like you know. Well, I I do think credit that's there. part of why he probably didn't come out like Fabio did and say like you know well you know I don't really earn this you know Bender made the mistake. I think he was probably like. Spent half that race going like, "Why is this bike so unpredictable?" And sure, and I don't think he really realized how broken it was. Yeah, until I mean, was that over. thing was busted. Yeah, because I mean, he talked about in the interview, it felt like it was really unpredictable going into corners, and then he got off and probably was like, "Oh my gosh, that's why." Well, and you know, that's another thing about the all the protrusions on the bike now, is, you know, historically there's always been some like rubbing is racing. There's been some contact that happens. But historically, it's not been as big of a deal because it doesn't break significant pieces off the bike every time you breathe on it. You know what I mean? Like, right. if you have contact in modern MotoGP, it's almost guaranteed that you're going to break some little piece off and it's going to throw off the entire setup of the bike. Right. You know what I mean? Which makes it way more dangerous, yeah, which is see- why overtaking has to be so much more calculated and is so less. Well, and I think the arrow also just... I mean, you've seen it. Someone breaks the arrow, and they don't crash. They save it, and then like four or five laps later, they just randomly crash. And I think you know that that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, like we said before, everybody that finished this race got points. Which anytime that happens, I'm just kind of annoyed <laughs> because it's just a bummer. Because you know that a lot of the big names and a lot of the people that you wanted to do well are not finishing that race. Um, Takanakagami, like we also said, was the only Honda that was not just finished, but okay. Mark didn't race because he had a broken rib from his crashes. Right. And he said he woke up and he just was like all night long, couldn't sleep, in major pain. So I'm there's no way I'm racing. Yeah. You know, so why don't we just go ahead and talk about Mark real quick? He's in rough shape. He's in rough shape, but... Let's talk about what transpired this week because we can't not talk about the um, the Alberto Puj. Is that his name? Yeah. I think so. Something yeah. like that. The Honda. Yeah. The conversations, the statements that Honda has made. I, at this point, I don't think you will see Mark on a Honda next year. I have no idea. Honda, I mean, Mark did come out and say that. I mean, he this is too much for him to process right now. I mean, he's got to get healthy. Absolutely, but... That they were pretty telling in some of the that they have had pretty harsh conversations behind the scenes because Alberto there he just kind of was like you know we don't we're not gonna make somebody stay here that doesn't want to be here. Who yeah. else would he be talking about? Well, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, well, he did talk. He he did clarify he was talking about Mark Marquez. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, so the fact that they're talking about Mark Marquez that way. I think that they're going to lose Mark Marquez this year, and I think that KTM right now is doing everything they can to appeal to Dorna to let them have another team. My only thing with... with um, Now, that's going to take Dorna buy-in. They're going to have to spend like 4 million euros to make another team, right. and Dorna has to decide to do that. Otherwise, there can't be another team. 
Well, here's the thing is now you're going to have another mega team. Sure, but the, but the thing is, is they've already, Pedro Acosta has actually come out. <clears throat> Remember we were talking about right. him going to Grassini. That's not going to happen. <clears throat> he came out and said, I'm going to race for KTM next year, MotoGP. And KTM's like, yeah, we're going to do that. They don't have a bike for him. <laughs> like, what are they going to do? You know, and that's why I was saying, like, Augusto Fernandez probably isn't going to get to keep his spot. But at the same time, like, Pole was at the track at Assen. Pole interviewed, and he looks terrible because he has had all the surgery. He's got scars. He's he's lost a ton of weight because he was drinking through a straw. You know, all of this stuff. But Pole is still saying, I'm going to be back at Silverstone. And I'm like, dude, you're a centimeter and a half shorter than you were before the, <laughs> literally before the crash. What happens if you crash your bike again, which is highly likely? Yeah. That's going to be terrifying. I just don't see why. It, it just seems unsafe and unwise for KTM to be like, or Gas Gas to be like, yeah, take this rocket ship out there and ride it into your grave. You know what I mean? Like, we were really close to losing Paul Esperargo's life. In that crash, I don't think people really realize how bad that crash truly was. Yeah, and I don't know. It just seems reckless for him to go back out on the track, especially this year. Yeah, I mean, you can take the race, you know, the rider out of the race, but you can't take the race out of the rider. Right. I mean, that's honestly that's the only way that these guys get to the point where they where they're at this level is you have to be that obsessed with being the fastest, uh, which honestly is. You know, while it might look crazy from the outside, it's commendable from these guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just they're they're pursuing this. You know, they're putting their their life on the line every time they they strap they're not strapped, but every time they straddle that motorcycle. You know, but I, I as far as KTM goes, the only thing that I guess makes me nervous, and I'm sure Mark will be fine. I don't know if we'll see him win another championship or not. I would like to see that. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate just yet until I see what it looks like to see him on a KTM. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the thing that makes me more worried is for the sport of MotoGP because if Mark Marquez leaves Honda I mean I think that puts Honda even further away from potentially having even a top 10 contending motorcycle um, yeah. and then the thing that I would hate to see is for there to be another manufacturer constructor vacate the MotoGP altogether because right now if we have a race where everybody that finishes scores, I mean, how what percentage of those people are on a Ducati? And if you go down to two constructors, I mean, you know, or three constructors, that just, I feel like that really hurts the sport mm -hmm. of MotoGP. We need that competitive competition, but, um, you know, I just, I have no idea where that's going to go, what it's going to look like. Um, I mean, I would like to see KTM have another team just for the sole reason of I want to see somebody beat out Ducati. Um, but again, I just don't know what it's going to look like. Right. Well, and you know, it's interesting because there's just so many things that could happen. So we're going to pause on this and finish talking about the main race and where we're at in the championship, but we're going to come back to this in just a second because, um, we're going to, there's a few other pieces because we need to talk about some silly season updates because it's all different than from even just a few weeks ago when we had our podcast on the silly season. There's so many things that have changed. So we're going to hit on a little bit of that before the end of the, the, the podcast. But um, Bedzeki in this race did a brilliant job um, waiting till the opportune moment to strike kind of at the end of that race. Uh, but it just was it was too little too late. He didn't have enough in that rear tire to catch up. Which, by the way, hats off to Brad Bender doing that on a soft rear tire. Everyone else had a medium rear tire, and I 100% thought that that was going to bite him in the butt, <laughs> kind of like it did Fabio, you know, at the previous race where he put a rear tire on, everybody else had a medium, and, you know, with eight laps to go, he just went, like, down, like, six spots. I thought for sure that was going to happen to Brad Bender, but he managed that soft tire the entire race and stayed in on the podium, but then ruined it for himself by exceeding track limits, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I just want to make sure that he, he gets the credit that he deserves for managing that tire so well. And Jorge was so close to overtaking Aleish. I mean, so close. It had to be like half of a tire length on that last, just, you know, he just couldn't quite get it. So really, really cool. But again, Aleish looked like a, an alien afterwards. It was 
really funny. And busy. It looked like he'd been stung, stung by bees. Like, his face was so puffy. Like, because you don't, we don't get to see him on the podium very much this year. And I don't remember this from last year, but, like, does that, is that what happens at the end of every race? <laughs> like, I don't know. I do know, um, you know, <coughs> working at a motorcycle dealership and helping people get sized for helmets, it is funny because what people want their helmet to fit like is never how it's supposed to fit. Right. You know, like, you've always put the helmet on. Yeah. And it's supposed to pinch your cheeks a little bit. Yep. Like, it's supposed to be uncomfortable because if it's comfortable, it's going to loosen up and then it's not going to be safe anymore. But it looked like, honestly, he was wearing, like, two sizes too small. <laughs> Yeah, it was funny. So, our championship standings now. Peko Bagnai is 35 points ahead of Jorge Martin. He is in first place, which, listen, 35 points is not still not that much. It is one race weekend. But I still think Peko's our champion this year. Dude, stop saying stuff like that. We just had a conversation about this last week, how we're not just going to cash it in. I choose to believe, okay, I choose to believe that Peko cannot – there's a chance that he will not win. Um, you know so, you know, there, there's because one. we're going into Silverstone, or I mean, when we get to uh, uh, where's KTM from? Um, what country? Uh, Austria. Yes. That dude, Jorge, is so good there. You know what I mean? So, like, if we get there and Jorge just like blows it up and, and wins the whole thing again, like, he's still very much in the fight here. And, but one of the things we got to point out is first place, Pecco. Ducati. Second place, Jorge. Ducati. Third place, Marco Bezzecchi. Ducati. Fourth place, Bender. KTM. Fifth place, Joanne Zarco. Ducati. Sixth place, Luca Marini. Ducati. Top six, and you have one manufacturer that is not a Ducati. <laughs> it's bad. That's pretty bad. And then seventh place, you've got Jack Miller KTM. on KTM. Eighth place, Alicia Spargo. Aprilia. Ninth place, Fabio Quattararo. Yamaha. Amazing that he's still in the top ten. Astounding. Yeah, and then tenth place is Alex Marquez. Yamaha, or Ducati. So in the top ten, you have one, two, three, four, five, six Ducatis. 60% of the top ten. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy to me. So that is where our championship is right now. Uh, Jorge Martin and Marco Bedzecki are one point apart uh, for that second place spot. Brad Bender is it's starting to get pretty far removed once you get past third place. That's not to say that it's impossible, but I don't know if anybody past third place has really got a shot at making a run for it. But I do believe Jorge has a legitimate chance to beat Pecco because he's on the 23 Ducati, just like Pecco is. Whereas Marco Bedzecki, I think that after the summer break, you're going to see him slowing down a little bit. Um, not necessarily him slowing down, but you're going to see a little bit of a gap created between the current bike and last year's bike because that almost always happens, which is why they say that satellite teams can't win, but he's – but Jorge's not on an old bike. He's on a current bike. Right. And so in addition to that, I think that Anaya Bastianini is going to be better coming into the latter part of the season. And I, I think that's going to mess Pecco up a little bit. Well, here's the thing. I know that they have claimed to not have done this, but if the top three are Ducati... Team orders. I feel like if it really <laughs> starts to fall apart for Pecco towards the end of the season, I, I mean, there's no way... That Ducati is just gonna let like Brad Bender, you know, start coming back. If Pecco starts crashing a ton, mm-hmm. and Brad Bender starts winning some like, you know, if you if Brad Bender were to win a sprint and main race a couple weeks in a row, and Pecco starts crashing, and it starts to even remotely look like Brad has a chance at, you know, getting first place, mm-hmm. there's no way that you're gonna be able to see Marco Bezzecchi and Jorge Martin really duking it out with Pecco if Pecco's back up there in the front. I can almost guarantee you they're going to back off. I don't disagree. Um and I especially Marco. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's just there's just no way you're going to team orders are not going to come in, into play. And even if it's not team orders, it's going to be that Ducati/Italian pride. You know, yeah. cuz if if they're not going to want to see Brad Bender on a, you know, Austrian company beating an Italian bike. Right. 
you know, and at the end of the day, I don't, maybe it's team orders, maybe it's the pride of the, the company and the team, I don't know, but I, that's where having top three bikes all in one constructor makes me super nervous because it, mm. you're going to see a skewed championship for sure. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. So let's talk about fantasy results. We are not going to talk about fantasy pickups and advice because we don't have a race this weekend. So we will we wait race for a couple weekends. Yeah, we will wait until um, we are, you know, in the week of uh, the Silverstone race after the break to, you know, talk about fantasy pickups and all that stuff. So I maintain my 32nd position. I meant to boost Bedzecki. <laughs> I, I had a plan to do so, and I forgot because I was on a work trip, and, you know, it makes it difficult to remember to do things, so Excuses. I didn't do that. And so I wish that I had, but I didn't. So I ended up with 155.5 points. That totals me out at 1,069 points. Again, I'm in 32nd place. I'm pretty happy being there considering where I've come from, but I got a long ways to go. And you are still in 52nd place. Well... Uh, you know, so that's not great, but, I but you didn't get worse this week. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out who I wanted to put in place of Mark Marquez. I mean, I put him on my team. I said this before it was a gamble. Um, uh, and it, it was a gamble that I lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it didn't pan out. I had to get rid of him cause I knew he wasn't going to really be doing much this weekend, if anything at all. And, uh, I actually almost also, I was going to take Mark Marquez off my team and I was going to take Marco Bezecchi off my team. So I was going to lose two riders, and then I was just going to put Pecco, which I hate doing, but <laughs> I, I was considering it. But then I would, then I would only have one rider yeah. on my entire team that I could rely on. So instead I opted to get – I had Marco Bezecchi, I kept him, and I got rid of Alex Marquez and Mark mm-hmm. Marquez, and I turned that into um, Jorge Martin and Raul Fernandez, which Raul Fernandez is – a hot turnip. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I was, I, I went to having maybe one rider that was scoring me. Now I have two. So now next week I'm hoping if some of the riders go up in value or some of the teams, maybe yeah. I can start doing some exchanges down the road. So, yeah. And that's the only thing you really can do <clears throat> um, once your value gets so low. But, because I mean, we have some people in our league whose team value is at 18 million. We have people in our league that have values of 20 million oh. and almost 21 million. That's crazy. Which we're going to get to that in a second. But, you know, I think you made a good point with what you were saying of sacrificing one rider to get a couple others and things like that, Um, which I kind of did this week, and it didn't pan out great for me. Um, But Because, I mean, half my team crashed, you know. And just like we've talked about, you never know what's going to happen. And when half your team crashes, you just kind of are stuck, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Yeah, especially when it happens more than one in a row. I mean, it, it really just sucks when you feel like you have a good, solid team. Yeah. And then, like, you know, Alex Marquez was doing really well at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And Jorge Martin was also my team. And when he crashed out and took out Alex Marquez, you're like, oh, well, there goes 50% of my points. Which, and he is not doing terrible right now. He got sixth place in the race. Yeah. You know, so there, it, it is what it is. But we we have, you You got 141.25 points on the weekend, and that's pretty good considering. Yeah, I got 109 last week, so. Yeah, and now you're at 931.75 points on the season, so. I'm not far away from you. You're not that far away. That That's the thing, like, the, just, the gap is not that far in certain chunks of the numbers, yeah. which is why I was able to jump 12 spots in one weekend. Yeah. You know, so. Mia Culpa is still holding on to first place. It's going to change, though. Um, they got 179.5 points this week, which puts them at a total of 1,323 points. But here's the thing. That's only 50.75 points ahead of second place, and Mia Culpa has used all of their boosts. And second place has all three left, and their team is worth $20.9 million. Oh my gosh! Twenty point nine million. Just for some, uh, you know, they literally have like an unstoppable team. They have almost as many points as Mia Culpa, and Mia Culpa has used three boosts and has used them well. And this other team at second place has as much um, as many points as they do. Just to put this in perspective, my team is worth fourteen point five. Yeah, mine's worth like six, seventeen something or whatever, but. 
Also, for the person that's in second place, I apologize that we're not saying your name, but we're not going to say it on our podcast because... Keep PG. Yeah, so sorry about that, but we will refer to you as second place currently. Um, <laughs> but their team consists of... And what's cool is that they're a US, USA person, so you could actually go to Morton's <laughs> where uh, Mia Culpa is um, not in America, so it would be a little harder for them to use the gift card. But they have Bagnai, Bedzecki, Jorge, and Augusto Fernandez. And then they have Ducati as their team, or their constructor, and Mooney as their team. That's pretty good. And Augusto Fernandez has literally gotten points every. in every single race. So the cheapest guy that they could have gotten at the beginning of the season has ended up being a great silver team rider. Yeah. I mean, it couldn't have it, that it, that's the best team. I don't think there's a better team than that. You know that's, what I mean? So that second place team. Yeah. And then third place, uh their team is worth 20.5 million and it is very similar. The only difference is instead of Augusto Fernandez, they have Alex Marquez. That I mean Alex Marquez crashes. But when he finishes, I mean, he finishes. He's top 10 if he finishes. Yeah. You know, because he's on a Ducati. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, bottom line is is that I think that Mia Culpa's in trouble because both of second and third place have boosts left, and they're really close. And so I think that Mia Culpa's in trouble. Um, Now, let's give your dad a shout-out. Jazz Dad has climbed to 15th place. He boosted Jorge this week, if I'm not mistaken, is what it looks like. Uh, And that paid off well for him, bumped him up. So he is kind of crushing it, and I can't wait to see if he can creep on up there because he's not really that far behind. He's got 1,147 points. You know, another strategic – he's got two more boosts, a couple strategic boosts. Could really do well for him. He's got – Premac as his team, Ducati as his constructor. I mean, if he could get Vinales off his team and somebody better, he's looking good. But Vinales does nothing but lose value, which is annoying because I have him on my team too. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But just wanted to shout out Jazz Dad doing well, kicking butt. All right, Ty. I think that with Mark, there's also a possibility that he goes to Aprilia. Here's why. Hmm. <laughs> I know. I know that's... So but here's the thing, though. He might not crash as much, but how often is he going to go through a race and the engine's just going to go... I, that doesn't happen to Aleish that much. It only happens to Maverick. I think it's just because of his past history. Bikes hate him now. Um, but here's the thing. I think the reason I say that is not because they have any riders that are finishing out this season and their contracts end. But Raul Fernandez is kind of not doing good. And I think that I, there are clauses in a lot of these guys' contracts that if they don't do a certain if they don't perform to a certain level, they're they're allowed to be removed or they're allowed to get out of their contracts and things like that, which is one of the things that we're going to talk about with Alex Renz here in a minute. But I think that Raul Fernandez is possibly one of those, and I think that I'm going to change my, my stance on something. You have said you think that Mark would go anywhere that he could get a bike. Mm. I think I agree with you now. I think that as long as they will give him up-to-date factory equipment, he'll go anywhere that is not Honda or Yamaha because he can't go to Yamaha because of his uh, Red Bull ties. So he's not going to go to Monster Energy. You know what I'm saying? So I think that if... Yamaha Red Bull would look pretty cool. It would look pretty cool. But I think that if Aprilia was to say, hey, Mark, we want you, we're willing to take you next year, I don't think he's going to say no unless KTM offers him something because he. I think he would rather go to KTM than Aprilia, but I think that both of those could be an option because I think a, that KTM is going to appeal to Dorna to get an extra team because they want Pedro Costa and they want Mark Marquez. Yeah. And right now they don't have a spot, but I think that they're 
probably trying to move some stuff around so that they can get two spots. You I know just, what I mean? I'm just ready for something to happen. So I can start talking about that. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen for a little while. Yeah, I know. Um, so I think that that is where we're going to see Mark is one of those two places, KTM or Aprilia, but I don't think we'll, you'll see Mark in Repsol colors next year. And I think that Honda's in a lot of trouble next year because Yamaha is talking to Alex Renz, which let me just say I love. I didn't think that was even an option, but Alex Renz does have a clause in his contract that he can actually exit his contract early because he hasn't done well. You know, like he's he has to have had so many victories or points cumulatively. I don't know the details of it, but he does have an exit clause that he can leave early from his contract. And Yamaha is absolutely talking to him. Gosh, this is going to, I mean, is Honda... Is Honda going to be here in 2024? I don't know, but do you know why it's so good that Yamaha is talking to Alex Renz? They're also considering talking to Juan Mir, but I don't, because I think he has the same clause. Yeah, well, Juan Mir hasn't even finished a race. But Juan Mir is not the right person. Alex Renz is. Alex Renz was on what bike last year? What is Suzuki? It's an inline four. That was way better than the Yamaha. Who Who helped develop that bike? Alex Renz, who won on that bike a lot, Alex Renz. He won on that bike. He won two races at the end of the season after that bike had not had any development for a whole season, yeah, and he I, won two races last year. I do think yeah, I can see Yamaha starting to come around in 2024, uh, especially if I see him on the team. Or you know, like, I, Honestly, I, I think there's hope. There is there's end of the tunnel. Or yeah. for Yamaha, what I don't see is I feel like. Well, I think Yamaha's done with Franco. I don't think there's any consideration for him to stay anymore. Oh, but I'm not that bad, guys. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that he's gonna get to stay because they are talking to Alex Renz. We know that they've also thrown around Jake Dixon's name from Moto Two. The reason I think they're considering Jake Dixon is not because he's the right choice, but because him and Fabio are really good friends. Yeah. And but I don't think that he's gonna get it because Yamaha does not need a new correct and less experience. I'm not saying that Jake Dixon doesn't have experience, but I mean I think he's a great rider. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but I don't think he has like developing experience because Moto Two and Moto Three there are some, but I don't think there's the same degree of development that you get from Moto GP, and that's where totally agree. like Jack Miller, Johan Zarco, Alex Rins. Um, even Juan Mir when he was at Suzuki, that they really proved themselves to not always necessarily be the fastest riders, but they help create fast motorcycles. Yeah, well, and, you know, I'm actually going to concede another thing to you, Ty. Woo! I think that Jorge Martinez told Yamaha no. Because they had been pursuing him, I think he told him no. I think after he won back-to-back last week, I think he was like, no, I'm going to stay here. That would just be such a huge risk for his career to go to a team. Correct. That a bike that, like, literally. So I think that he's going to stay at Pramac for another year and wait until all of these other spots open up. And I think Jorge might have his eyes on hoping that Anaya never really reaches the potential that we thought or that Ducati thought that he would get and that he's going to be in, he thinks he's probably going to be in red leathers after 2024. But I think that Jorge said no, so Yamaha is now looking at Alex Renz, which I actually think is great. Also, man, Zarco's doing really well. This is the, like the first weird weekend he's had. I don't know if this is the the progression of him starting to do badly like he usually does in the latter half of the season. Yeah. But if he continues doing well, I don't see Premat getting rid of him either. Yeah. He's not going to go to VR46 because he's not Italian. So he's going to stay at Premac because they're not going to send him to Grassini. Because why would they do that? They don't have anybody to bring up other than Bedzeki, but then who would they put on VR46? VR46 doesn't have anybody in the wings to bring onto their team unless you're thinking about Franco Morbidelli, mm. which I don't necessarily see that happening either. You know, I, fr- I think Franco might not be in MotoGP next year. I think he might be at World Superbike, which he'll probably kill it there. I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a hot... I mean, why wouldn't Yamaha want him to go to World Superbike? Top Rack is done at Yamaha. 
they they're gonna have a spot. He has a history with Yamaha. Why wouldn't they want him to go to World Superbike? That seems like it would make sense to me. Yeah, except you know, I feel like when people go from MotoGP to World Superbike, they usually have a pretty not like great. I think Johan Zarco. I don't think I'm not saying that he should do this, but if someone had a career similar to his and were slightly younger, you know, he's kind of you know older to be switching it up. Sure. They're usually people like even Scott Redding. I mean, Scott Redding was not doing great in MotoGP, but he was doing okay. Mm-hmm. He was top 10. He was kind of honestly similar, I think, to Alex Marquez's standings right now where, you know, he'd sometimes he'd do well. He'd win a rainy race every once in a while. Um, but then he went to World Superbike and was killing it. Franco Morbidelli isn't like, uh, he's doing okay. I mean, he's he's, you know, He's kicking gravel. (laughs) He used to be a lot better. And I just wonder if a change of scenery, you would see a little bit of that old Franco back. I don't know. I don't know, though. I just know that with the history with Yamaha, he's been on Yamaha a long time. Yamaha has an opening at World Superbike. It just kind of makes sense, you know, if they don't want him on the team because they want somebody better. Yeah. I'd rather see someone like Rocco Landers. Get it? Who, if you don't know who that is, he's uh, he's worked a lot with California Superbike School. I think he's in Moto America right now. It'd be so cool, uh, and I believe he's on a Yamaha. It would be so wicked cool to see him go and hop on a Yamaha in, in World Superbike. And I think he'd do pretty wood. And he's, he's American, so that'd be cool. That is cool. So yeah, ultimately, I think that Yamaha would make a great decision getting Alex Rins. I think that. I think that ultimately what you're going to see with the Ducatis is everybody's going to stay the same except Fabio DJ Antonio potentially will lose his job and they'll bring up. Um, now that Pedro Acosta has said, I'm going to stick with KTM. KTM, I think that unless that changes, Ducati will bring Pedro Acosta on. If he does, in fact, go to KTM, I think that they bring Tony Arbolino. Or how do you say his last name? I don't know. He's the guy competing against um, Pedro Acosta, and it's Tony Arba something. (laughs) Sorry, I can't remember it. Uh, But he is competing against, he's kind of the the contender for the championship for Moto2 against Pedro Acosta. He's really good, too, and I think that um, Ducati would take a shot and let, let let them have Fabio DJ Antonio's spot. So, But we'll see. I think that Alex Renz is probably... Earned him or Alex Marquez has probably earned his spot to stay again. At you know who they should really be trying to gun for, Juan Mir. Yeah, I mean, I think that the only thing Honda's going to have an opportunity for is just to bring a bunch of people who were rejected by everyone else or are are Moto Two people that couldn't get in otherwise. And so you, Honda might just have a whole team of rookies next year. <laughs> That's gonna be bad. You know what I mean? Honestly, Honda, if anybody was going to go to Moto uh, World Superbike to start recruiting people, I think Repsol Honda would be the only people that, that would actually... But it's not out of, like, this is the best choice. It's out of desperation. Yeah, do you want to go from World Superbike to MotoGP? You can. You just got to, you know, ride a bull. You got to ride a dumpster fire. Yeah, you got to ride a bull around the track, and hopefully you don't fly off, you know? <laughs> so that's where we're at as far as silly season goes. A lot has changed. Um, a lot of options are out there now because of the movement of potentially being able to get out of contracts early. I do think that Mark's going to get out of his contract. And I, man, all I see is either Aprilia or KDM. I mean, yeah, that's really the only option he has. He's not going to Ducati. They don't want him. You know, they just, they just do not want him. They don't want to deal with him. They don't want any part of that. So he's going to end up, I think, going to... Like I've said a bunch of times, I think he's going to end up at KTM, but I think that there might be an opening that he can squeak into at Aprilia. And, uh, man, honestly, on either of those bikes, I think that he is a championship contender. Oh, yeah. I still would have liked to see him on a Ducati just to see what would happen. Well, he would win. That's You don't even have to think about that. You yeah. just He would win. Because say what you will about Mark, Mark is, I think that he is the best motorcycle rider Ever, I think he's better than anybody that's ever done it because he just does things that are freakishly like Jorge Martin looks like he's studied the book out of his fellow Spaniards. Sure. But, um, you know, so he definitely has, he looks like he's emulating Mark in a lot. But of at ways. the same time, 
just don't throw anything at me. But Peko Bagnai has gotten first, second, second, first. Like in the last like sprints and races. Mm-hmm. Who did that last? Mark Marquez in twenty nineteen, first or second place the whole season. Unless he crashes. Which is only once. Which is what we're looking at. I mean, I know Peko's crashed more than once, but like we're kind of looking at that. If he doesn't crash, he's in first or second place. Yeah. I think he's been on in third place once, right? Yeah. Or has he been off the podium? Uh, not that I can remember, because I mean, he won the first weekend. He won the first and second. I mean, what do you do with that? The dude's freaking good. <laughs> yeah. And I hate to say that because I don't want him to win. But that's just kind of where we're at. Yeah, I, I still, I mean, I don't think he's the best rider in the paddock. That's what it's annoying. But is he? I mean, he, with the current combination, yeah, I think he is. That's the thing. Like, you can't, it's kind of like saying, it's kind of like saying, you know, you use the New England Patriots all the time as an example. It's kind of like saying, like, Brady's not that good or Belichick's not that good. But Except with the did. combination of the two, they're, like, unstoppable. Yeah. Although now, I will say he did leave. Yeah, he took pace. half the team with him, too. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? And they won a Super Bowl at a different team with a different coach, but he, you know, he took a lot of the best pieces with him. Yeah. My point is, is that he's currently on the Ducati and he's winning. You can't really separate it. You can, we can make all the excuses of saying like it's a little unfair and all that stuff, which is true. Ducati having so many bikes and, and all that, but. Unfortunately, this is this is the racing scene right now, and dude, the world and he's the in. best. He's the best right now, and I hate saying that, but unfortunately, it's true because I think that if Fabio was on a bike that was equivalent to the Ducati, that Fabio is a better rider than Pecco. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I agree that there are better riders than Pecco, but with the combination, Pecco's better. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that stinks. <laughs> It's really frustrating. So, that's all we've got. On that note. (laughs) (laughs) That is all we've got. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you think is going to happen with Silly Season. Uh, We'll probably pop in. Um, It's not going to be regular during the off, you know, during summer break. We're going to take a little bit of a break as well. But we'll probably jump on here, and we will be active on social media, which is where you can interact with us. That is uh, on Instagram at wheel to wheel podcast. Um, shoot us a DM, touch base with us, uh, share it with your friends, follow us, all the things that you got to do. If you want to support us further, um, rate the podcast and leave a review. That goes a long ways for us. But also, if you want to go the extra mile and you want to support us financially, you can do that. Go to wheel to wheel podcast on Instagram and hit the link tree. It'll take you where you need to go. You don't have to do that, but it would mean a ton to us and it would help us expand things at a faster rate than what we are currently doing because like I've been telling you that the website is under construction forever. It's still under construction. It will eventually get there, I promise. And when it does, we're going to be sharing all kinds of extra content with you, but we're just not there yet. So let us know, support us, help us. We love you guys, and we'll catch you next time. See you guys.